0: Hi, everybody. Frank Gladstone here from the CFA Hollywood. And right with me is Brenda Chapman, uh, who we're going to talk to today. I'm going to do a little housekeeping first. Hi, Brenda. Hi. <laughs> um, I have a little housekeeping. This, is a, this, a, this a chat with Brenda is in association with the CFA Hollywood and the VIEW conference. And for the VIEW conference, I wanted to uh, remind everybody that the VIEW conference is this October, October 17th through the 22nd in Turin, Italy. You're invited to all go. And if you want to know more about it, you can uh, Google VIEW conference or or just uh, write in viewconference.it for Italy. And uh, while you're there, you can see what the conference has in store. If you've liked these previews that the VIEW Conference has been doing, including the one today, you may wanna donate a couple of, there's a little place where you can donate. Uh, if you just wanna do that, that would be great too. But the VIEW Conference is a nonprofit as is the for Hollywood. So uh, there you are, that's the, hook. That's the housekeeping. Also, I wanna remind you if you have questions to please type them into the Q&A and I, we will get to as many as possible. And there's the housekeeping all done. So Brenda. We're Frank, <laughs> now, <Yes? laughs> we're, going to, we're going to talk a little bit about how you came up because I think it's really interesting. I happen to know that you're from a really tiny town, a yes, farming community in, 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 in Illinois, Illinois. And uh, so, tell me a little about that.
1: <laughs> well, it was a little farming community right in the middle of the state. I was surrounded by Corn and soybeans, most of my life, uh, my childhood, anyway. And um, it had 150 people in it. My father ran the grain elevator, and most of my friends lived on farms. (laughs) So uh, the winters there were pretty grueling Uh, ice storms and snowstorms, and uh, you get stuck, and the power would be out, and the television wouldn't work, and all of that. So I drew a lot and I read a lot, so that's sort of what you know kind of spurred my imagination. Was otherwise, I would have gone crazy. You know, I don't know what the other kids did so much, but um, because when you're stuck in,
0: you've got four brothers and sisters, right?
1: I, I have a, three brothers and one sister, but they're much older than me, so by the time I came along, all my Well, one brother was still at home, but he was 16 when I was born. So uh, he was gone when I, you know, was just a few years later. So my sister and I fought like crazy because she was eight years older than me and she'd been the baby girl for eight years until I came along. (laughs) So I I rained on her parade. (laughs) Uh, you know, but we're, we are very close now, so.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, so you patched things up since. Yes, time. we have. <laughs> so you're in this really small town. You go to community college for a couple of years, and then you and then you go to L.A. Yeah. Is that like culture shock. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was. I still remember moving into Cal Arts, and uh, my oldest brother, who's 21 years older than me, everyone thought he was my dad, um, but. Uh, He and my niece were moving me in, and my niece was about 10 or 11 at the time. And uh, we were moving stuff into my dorm room, and then suddenly my niece was missing, and we were trying to figure out where she was. (laughs) And I found her behind the drapes in my dorm room glued to the window because the the dormitory surrounds a swimming pool, and at CalArts, it's clothing optional. So (laughs) So...
0: (laughs) So that was, that was like, oh, okay. Party. Quite a bit different than, uh, than Beeson, Illinois. Beeson, right? Illinois, yeah, definitely. So I I, heard, I I did a little research, besides knowing you for a long time. Uh-huh, uh-oh. And I know that you're in, in, in order to get through school, you took summer work, right? Yeah. And you worked on some shows, some TV shows. <clears> one <throat> of those shows, if I remember correctly, is... Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that was my very first job. Oh, it yeah. was. I, I, I uh-huh. did some other TV shows as oh. well, but that was the first one. Yeah, my very first
1: animation job. Uh, right. uh, you know, Walking Beans was my very first job. So,
0: <laughs> Walking Beans.
1: Yeah, you walk through the bean fields and cut out oh. the the weeds. <laughs> and, and when you turn 12, it used to be that was a rite of passage.
0: <laughs> when you turn 12, crazy. you could work for the farmers and make your own summer money. So, <laughs> oh, excellent. So, so you get Hulk Hogan. Yep. And you were, you were a track reader, correct? No, I was a. I cleaned up the props,
1: the rough props, All and right. some animation and some storyboards, um, but then. Uh, then i got asked to go to japan because um because i was going to cal arts and learning animation they thought i knew sound at the oh, time but your first year at cal arts back in my day you didn't work with sound but i didn't tell them that because they were going to send me to japan so
0: <laughs> and it did, right? Check lip sync. I, I was. I checked the lip sync. Yeah. So you know, um, I don't know if the if the everybody who's watching us now knows about the idea of reading track, which old timers know about. Yeah. And you want to describe how that worked? If you well, I track. didn't. I didn't actually read the track.
1: Someone else did, but it's basically they would go through and listen to the mag, the the, the sound tape that. The, that was recorded separately, uh, the dialogue. And then we had exposure sheets that have every frame listed on it. So they go through and mark the frames where the sounds were and then write that down on an exposure sheet. And and then that's what the animator would go by to be able to to animate to the voice. But it was very tedious, but then they had people like me who were there because most of the animation and in Japan, most of the animators didn't speak English. So they had a group of us that would watch the films, watch the mouths, make sure they were correct. And if they weren't, we'd have to go through and find that spot on the exposure sheet market and say you had to, this shape of mouth. <laughs> it was wow. it was a crazy first job. Yeah, but um, you're, you're, you're I got to Illinois. go to Tokyo. <laughs> you're,
0: yeah, you're in Illinois in a small town. Your dad runs the grain elevator. <laughs> which is where they store the grain, right? Yeah. All yep. the farmers bring their grain, and they store it in the grain elevator. And then, it's a, and then you're in L.A. with naked swimming going on, and then you're almost immediately in, in Tokyo. Yeah, you
1: know, I spent my year at CalArts, and then, yeah, the next summer I was in Tokyo. It was... Yeah, and were you kind kind
0: of a where you like, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I was. I don't know if you've ever seen Lost in Translation when Bill Murray is like getting off the plane. He's just looking around. I that was exactly me. Just like I've landed on another planet because it was just so the lights and the the bustle of the city. I mean, I think if they put me in New York from Beeson, I'd have felt the same way. But we're driving on the opposite side of the road, and I didn't speak the language it was pretty incredible but the people i worked with were super nice and um, there were a bunch of canadians there you know they're probably some of the nicest people in the world <laughs> and they took me under their wing and uh, showed me the ropes so and you
0: were okay and you, and I you, was graduated, all right. <laughs> you graduated cal arts right mm-hmm. in animation yeah. and then and then what happened you uh struggled well, along? Did you get hired right away
1: I got hired because of my final film at CalArts, uh, which was a little different back in the day. Everybody was doing gag films, and I had done this kind of sad little film about an old woman who was alone on her birthday, and that got noticed by um, several of the artists on the review board um, for story, and so they they hired me as a story trainee. So, and what and, show was
0: that? And what show was that?
1: Um, well, at first I was just doing sort of little shorts and whatever, but I got to work on Little Mermaid. So, yeah, that was did my goal. to start on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Great. And so you finished, finished Little Mermaid, and then what happened?
1: Well, then um, they felt my draftsmanship wasn't quite up to snuff. I could emote and I could get, but they just needed me to do better. So they put me oddly in cleanup, you know, <laughs> where. I don't think it was the kind of drawing that I needed to do to be a good story artist. But at the same time, I learned so much, but I got to work on a little piece of history, which was Roger Rabbit. And I got to clean up Benny the Cab and the Weasels. And <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a fun.
0: You know, I, I was doing training, by that time I was doing training in, in Florida. And we were training a lot of people at a school, not out of Cal Arts generally, because the Cal Arts kids, like you, went to the studio in in L.A. Oh and we pulling kids from, and there were no other animation schools to speak of. There was yeah. a little bit at at at, in, at a um, school of visual arts and things like that, but and a little bit RISD, but so every most everybody yeah. else was at illustration school. And the first thing you got once you got trained was cleanup.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was always considered an entry level position, but that always, it always amazed me because you have to be such an incredible draftsman and have such language. It's like, no, that's, that's people who did that really well were incredible artists that knew what they were doing. So I thought, I've got a bum rap.
0: (laughs) I think so too. And you do learn a lot of about you know, anatomy and thinking about where the other shoulder is when you, you know, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um, and then you did a little mermaid. That's great. And then you went to beauty and the beast. Uh, and um, on. no I
1: went to, um, rescuers down under.
0: Oh, and then, oh, right. We, and then yeah. right. And then, uh, and then, uh, that's about the time that I was at, at Disney as well. Um, and then you worked on an interesting little movie, uh, and, um, uh, you were the uh, head of story on it, it's a little movie that, that, as you and I both know, at the time that it started, as my friend Bill Matthews used to say, no one wants to work on that one. <laughs> yes. What was that movie called, that little movie? It
1: was called The King of the Jungle at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and I remember Bill saying that to me as they, they were showing me California. You yeah, know, No one wants to work on this picture. Yep, nobody <laughs> <did>. <laughs> yeah, nobody did. So you're a head, and, and you were first head of story, ever. female head of story in a, in a big studio ever, as far as I know.
1: As far as I know, yeah. I don't want to leave anyone out if someone did it before me. Great. <laughs>
0: um, I, <laughs> but... I, I, I think you were the first head of story. Now you were head of story all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. And how did you feel as Lion King became more than what people had expected of it? Yeah. Did you realize that that was happening? Um, Towards
1: the end, I mean, we were really proud of it. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was the B movie and all of the A players had gone to Pocahontas. And so most of us were people being given an opportunity to, to rise to a supervisor level and to... to our thing and I think we were all hungry to to do the best job we possibly could and you know and having someone like Roger Allers at the helm it was and Rob you know they were just uh it it was it was great and then you know getting Hans Zimmer in there um to work with Elton and you know Elton's music was incredible but it when when he would bring in a demo it didn't feel like Africa by any (laughs) stretch of the imagination except for Hans Zimmer's imagination and he could take those and then just put this it was incredible so once we started hearing the music and and then we started thinking hmm you know this could be but we were still even before it was released wondering who's going to want to see a movie about talking animals you know that they want They want the fairy tales. They want, you know, that kind of stuff. And so here we are doing a talking animal movie.
0: (laughs) Little did we realize that. Little did we realize. And, you know, I kind of knew this ahead of time. I don't think I ever told you this, Brenda, but I was carrying Lion King and Pocahontas and some sketches of Hunchback to the schools as, as it was being made to recruit for Disney internships. And I watched that happen because I'd see, they'd show the Lion King two minutes, the opening two minutes, and then they'd show Pocahontas, and they'd be, yeah, that's very nice. You know? like, <laughs> I watched the B, B- wow. movie, the A movie. So it was pretty great. A big surprise, though, at the end. Yeah. Definitely. So, okay, Lion King, now you're, now you're pretty hot, um, and then you, you work on uh, Hunchback a little bit, yeah?
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. took a break so I could just be a story artist again, which was fun.
0: Yeah. I did. You worked on the Fantasia 2000 as well?
1: Yeah, I worked on Fantasia 2000. Um, I actually worked on that bef- before The Lion King. Yeah, um, It was, that that was being worked on a long time. And then I got sucked into King of the Jungle <laughs> as it was at that time. But uh
0: and do yeah. you remember the sequence you were working? Well, I'm sure you do the sequence you on Fantasia you worked on or sequence? On Fantasia, um, I I developed the whale, the
1: flying whale um bit with Hendel. I mean, it yeah. turned out very different than what I had initially envisioned. Mine was supposed to be a migration across a continent and then dive back down into another ocean. But um then this ice cave and baby whale thing started happening and and I'd moved on to Lion King by then. So but still a very beautiful piece, so. Yeah.
0: And eventually you, um, um, you went to DreamWorks. So you would go with the migration when Jeffrey left? Did you go? Is that?
1: Yeah, he invited me to come with him. I guess our contracts ended the exact same day. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, you know, he just told me that. So, um, so yeah, I I decided, uh they were, well, everyone was packing up to move to the hat building, I was packing up and they didn't know any difference. I was packing up too, but I was moving to uh, yeah, the Universal, behind Universal right. uh, with Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and so you're there and you did you know what you would work on? Or you're just gonna, whatever it was. Doing?
1: Yeah, I had, uh, he wouldn't tell me what the project was. And so I was dragging my feet about going with him. And then finally, he told me and I thought are you insane you know you're doing a movie with God in it you know do you know the minefields you're about to yeah it's
0: <laughs> but, hard.
1: Um, but yeah he um he convinced me well and I'd already decided to, to go but then I'm still sitting at Disney in my office and the phone rings and I pick it up he goes hi Brenda this is Steven and I was like Steven who and then I was like huh. Steven Spielberg and I was like ah! <laughs> so <laughs> so that was that was pretty intense that day I was wasn't because you know back then when you're an animator you're a story artist you just didn't you didn't have filmmakers you know
0: calling you and inviting you to go to different films it just didn't happen so but it was a pretty heady time I mean animation was yeah. you know we now had big hits it was a kind of a new renaissance and there was other studios
1: yeah people, that people
0: was, coming it's... out of CalArts with agents by that time
1: yeah. You know? Yeah. So it just wasn't
0: enough. There just weren't enough <laughs> to do all yeah. this. So, so mm-hmm. you go to you go to DreamWorks. do so you know what you what he was going to ask you to do.
1: Well, I went there to build the story department, right. and um, Joe Ramp was going to direct, and that's part of the reason I also had decided to go. And that's then Joe, at the last minute, <laughs> <laughs> um, decided to go to Pixar, and I was like, Oh, I've already signed my contract, Joe. What are you doing? Yeah. So. Um, so Jeffrey had a hard time finding directors. He asked even asked my husband before he asked me, and then finally. And who's your uh, husband, Brenda? Uh, my you husband, Kevin it? Lima. Okay. <laughs> he directed yeah. a goofy movie and Tarzan and Enchanted and 102 Dalmatians and the Eloise movie. He's you know he's been around oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah he's been like a yeah. champ. <laughs> but uh, so but he yeah, told- he. he I, he said, you're directing until we find someone else. And then, um, they couldn't find someone else. And then finally I, I, but by that time I'd been directing for about three months and I realized, you know what, (laughs) I'm kind of getting the hang of this. Maybe, you know, I can do story as well as, as, um, you know, help guide the rest of the departments. And then, um, Spielberg brought emblemation into it. And I met Steve well, I knew Steve Hickner. I met him at Disney years ago, and Simon Wells was.
0: Uh, he was. Uh, he was from the uh, the, the Spielberg studio, and yeah,
1: in yeah,
0: you can yeah. tell by his accent. Yes, um, <laughs> you know it's interesting because you are the first uh, woman director at a major at a major. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not the first. Definitely, director.
1: others before me um, directing features, yeah exactly
0: pictures. but but of a major motion picture studio large distribution big time picture um i think we've got a camera on we might have to turn the, um i'm not sure uh, maria Lana, i think your camera oh there you go um uh that's maria Elena for a second huh. anyway <laughs> you, are, you are the first director of a major motion picture Modern style motion picture like that. There's I'm no, a major
1: but, studio, yeah, because I think there were some.
0: But, yeah, Joy Batchelor on Animal Farm and yes, and one thing I think uh, um, uh, Arno from, uh, Sedgwick from Selznick from uh, Care Bears, but major, mm-hmm. big distribution, written by God. <laughs> <laughs> Which and you're right, uh, you know, biblical movies are hard. Because everybody has a stake in it.
1: Yep. And everybody has an opinion and everybody has a belief that, you know, you can't disregard, you know, because that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? You know, so I think the, the, what Simon and Steve and I came up with was to not belabor the whole God thing and focus on the two brothers. And, and yeah. I think that's what saved that film <laughs> from becoming this uh, preachy um, yeah, just yeah. yeah so so then you're, some people you're, liked it some people didn't so uh, you know
0: so you, you're there for a while and then you you worked on Chicken run a little bit, I guess on story, yeah.
1: yeah just very briefly, it was sort of an all hands on deck anyone who wanted to and both Simon and I were like, and Steve, I think too, we we were like, oh, something funny we can work on. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I think one of my, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so refreshing and, you know, it was just, I just boarded one little sequence.
0: And you didn't get to go to Bristol and, and work with Nick or any of those guys, huh?
1: No, we went to Bristol for other reasons. When we were over there um, doing the, um, uh music and we were meeting with some actors and whatever we we got to pop over to bristol and meet everyone but that's good
0: that was fun and then and then you have a baby yep she's so kind of important yeah yeah, she's yeah
1: very
0: important and then you go to uh to pixar mm-hmm. to pixar for quite a while and you pitch something <laughs> and they say okay yeah yeah. So you get, to, you get to do Brave. And I understand Brave of the the character, uh, main character is kind of based on your daughter.
1: Yeah, she's inspired by I mean, my daughter was four or five years old when I started it. You know, she was just very uh, she just gave me a lot of pushback, you know, which I was not expecting at that age. And I thought, oh my god, if you're like this now, what are you gonna be like as a teenager? <laughs> well
0: that's
1: <laughs> and that was so, my
0: question. Now she was little then at the time, and yeah, that, yeah. Has she remained? pushing back is she
1: oh yeah she did through and she was intense as a teenager yeah Yeah. (laughs) but uh she's 22 now and and we're very close and i think we've you know made it to the we're on the horseback kind of thing that like the end
0: (laughs) doing all right now (laughs) that's good now i i want to go back a little bit because you told me at one point your mom was very influential and supportive of your artwork and getting out there and maybe going from that small town in Illinois to other things so yeah and, and she,
1: she was wonderful I mean it's she uh, she was very artistic but never had the opportunity to uh, to to uh, pursue it you know it was just a different time and she was raised by her grandparents and she only had an eight, eighth grade education from a one-room schoolhouse um, and uh, one of her big stories was that she, there was a young teacher at the schoolhouse who recognized her talent and walked her home from school. This was in the during the great depression um, in Southern Illinois. And she walked her home and asked her grandparents who raised her if she could have my mom stay after school some days to, to give her art lessons. And my mother's, my great grandfather, got mad at that teacher and said, don't you be putting ideas into my granddaughter's head. It's a waste of time to educate a woman anyway. And it's like, she blah, blah, blah. And so that that poor teacher was fired. Um, yeah, sure. She didn't get to come back the next year because my great grandfather was on that school board. So, um, and that my mother, that just was heartbroken. You know, it just, it just, but she got her GED and she ended up going you know in her 60s back and she got a bachelor's degree and you know through the mail because it was pre-internet and (laughs) you know she she worked really hard and uh you know she had a lot of resilience that woman so
0: now when you were coming before all of this you would watch all the disney pictures that came through you'd have to you have to go to the a town with a movie theater in it yes exactly (laughs) Well, you saw you know snow white pinocchio and fantasia and all these kind of things and it was mm-hmm. part of your upbringing yeah you, yep. is that when you said i want to do that or
1: yeah i mean i would go home after school every day if the tv was working and watch bugs bunny cartoons that was like oh my gosh that was my religion <laughs> really and then um you know when the disney films were released uh i would go every year and i remember cinderella being my and Lady and the Tramp being my two that were just like, oh, I felt like I was walking into a storybook, you know, and and just, um, but yeah. Once I really stopped and realized that there were names at the end of these things and they just didn't magically happen, you know, right. I realized, oh my God, I could do that. I could. That's what I. That's what I want to do. So yeah.
0: Did you get to know any of those old guys? I mean, when you were coming in, most of those guys were retired. Many of them. Yeah. Did you get to know like? And Frank and Ollie or I met Frank
1: and Ollie. Um, I didn't, you know, like many animators get into a friendship with them necessarily. Um, Hal Ambro was one of my teachers at CalArts, who was one of the most amazing, giving, uh, lovely men um that, that worked on on those. I remember he worked on Lady and the Tramp, you know, it was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was so excited. Um yeah, uh, but oh, Vance Gary, Vance oh. Gary, he worked on uh, 101 Dalmatians, I believe, and under Bill Pete. and um, he was he was my hero in that in that sense. And just and he was so self-effacing and so humble and such a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful man. But incredible artist and mentor. And yeah,
0: and you know it's good when you when you can find those people and you can. Yeah. Even if they even if they they don't mentor you, they just tell you about things.
1: Yeah. My, yeah. I
0: was an old Fleischer animator, and you know <laughs> I was making all these mistakes, and he would say, "Well, I'll do that." Oh, you're kidding! You can do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna. So anyway, you you leave Pixar, you go to DreamWorks for a little while again, mm-hmm. and and uh, and then you you end up doing a live action show. Yeah, I yep. and, and you're a live action director. And yeah. one of my final questions before I start going to everybody else's question is, how was how that?
1: Um,
0: it's Simon not nearly as
1: fun. I don't really wanna do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think it had more to do with the people uh, behind the scenes than it did with the actual thing. But I, I don't think I knew enough about it. And I was like Prince of Egypt, um, thinking that the, the team would help me, um, you know, figure it out in the early days so I could get going and they didn't. And so it was, uh, it was a rough go, but it was still a wonderful learning experience. It was still, I'm glad in the end that I had the experience, but because it makes me really appreciate how much I love animation and it was a sidestep, but I'm, I'd rather... Stick you with
0: your notes with Simon, because Simon went that route. Yes,
1: through. we did. No, I called him really early on. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And he actually did some boards for me on that. So, uh, yeah, so. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and and so um, I'm going to go to questions now. We've got a lot of okay. them. So I'm just going to go to it, it says uh, I'm going to start with um, Rod has one that I'm going to ask. I always ask last. So, I'm, so Rod, don't worry, I'm going to get to yours. Isabella said what is the project that is closest to your heart
1: oh well I think of course brave is because it it's um, it, it you know was inspired by my daughter and so yeah every aspect of that was very near and dear to me and it was very painful at the end when when they replaced me but um,
0: you stayed on through the end of the I mean you were still at Pixar till the show was over
1: yeah yeah. Okay. That uh, didn't didn't really get to have a lot um, of input. So, uh, yeah. but but at the same time, you know, what a lot of what they took out, they put back in. <laughs> what what they made me cut out uh, got put back into the film. So um, so the it was character. vindicating it.
0: Yeah, the character that that you know push back against mom and that relationship still stayed. I mean, at the end yeah what so was there
1: well i remember a disney marketing person came in initially and said well i don't know how to market a movie about two arguing women you know it was like well <laughs> then if i you know it's just i have this thing about marketing when they say that it's like okay then you're fired let's figure out let's get someone in here who can do their job then <laughs> you know it's like that's their job isn't it to figure out how to market things i don't know yeah. it's tail wagging the dog so
0: I have one uh, from Bruno. Bruno says, uh, how was how confronting yourself with different types of animation, beginning with 2D, because that's how you started. We were all in pencil still back then. Uh-huh. And now 3D, Pixar style, and so forth. Is that Did you find that transition good? I, was... It, uh, there, were, there was a lot of really uh,
1: fun stuff about it. I think two of the things that were kind of uh, difficult at first was what is the film going to look like? because to to really know what the film is going to look like you have to build it (laughs) and texture it and cut you to really know you know you can have all these beautiful paintings and in 2d it's like okay you've got a beautiful painting a drawing colored in that's what the film's gonna (laughs) look like but but for 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 brave it was like over a year or so before we really understood what What we could do, because a lot of what the look was took a lot of technology that they didn't have yet. My asking for a, my wanting this wild child girl with wild curly hair. um, I think initially the tech team thought I just wanted this really pretty curly hair and it was like no it's part of who her character is and once they they questioned me and believed that that's, it was, that's who her character was then, then they got behind it. And they were determined to figure that out, which they did. They were, they were amazing, that crew. So yeah, that was rough. But also there's a a thing in, in traditional animation called workbook, where you go, it's between storyboard and before you start drawing the layouts. And that's an artist who takes the storyboards and basically does the cinema, cinematographer pass on that well that that time that is cut out basically <laughs> they just start building the sets based on the storyboards and and it's like that's where I was having trouble wanted to see my my workbook pass yeah and, I was
0: gonna say you wanted to see the workbook and then yeah the and went away. people don't know yeah, what the workbook is anymore
1: yeah and I think even Brad Bird had trouble with that you know and he just it's like had to and I, and I, I think it's, it's made it harder for story artists because now story artists have to be cinematographers where before um, story artists were basically about the acting and the character arcs. And, and it was less about, okay, I don't have to worry about the camera as much because there's someone who is going to come in and do that. But this is just about telling the story uh, with the with the characters, but now it's telling the story visually as well, uh, um, which, you know, it always was, it's this weird sort of morphe thing, you know? And so some people really defend that and I understand it. Um, yeah. but, but, but at the same time, I think if, if I had tried to get a job now, I wouldn't be able to, you know, what I brought was more of the acting and the emoting and figuring out who these characters were rather than what the, Cinemagraphic, I can never say that word right, but (laughs) for that cinema language.
0: (laughs) You know, anecdotally, remember I told you the story about Bill taking me around saying, oh, this is Lion King. He told me that as I was watching Ruben Ruben Aquino sitting at a small desk back in Flower Street doing Blue Book on Lion King. And that doesn't happen anymore either. Mm-hmm. Blue book is, is, was you get the workbook and you figure out where the characters are going to be and you kind of yeah. you kind of set that up because that has to be set up before you start the animation and uh and that's the that unless that you, doesn't
1: exist either yeah yeah okay. I
0: know. anyway uh, I have one from um from from flick who says PS you are awesome thank you for doing this talk <laughs> oh <Aww>, thank you <laughs> yeah. There you go. And, and, but the question is, do you have any advice for people who have ideas of their own project, but no clue about how to pitch them? Uh, I'd also like <laughs> to know uh, which was your favorite project to work on through your career. Well, we've kind of talked about Brave. Yeah,
1: or... I had a lot of favorite. I mean, I think Beauty and the Beast was huge for me yeah. as far as that goes. Uh, I still loved working on that, you know, uh, as a and story artist.
0: The first movie ever to get a uh, feature to get an mm-hmm. astronaut.
1: And uh, yeah, I love, I did love working on Lion King. It was, you know, that was a whole different thing for me uh, being a supervisor. So um, as far as pitching your own work, it's really hard because I think in Europe, you have a lot more opportunity to bring your, you know, your governments kind of help you out. You have the the, the, the art funding, <laughs> there that we just don't have in the States. So really, if, if you're doing an independent film, you have to find your own funding for it. And, you know, it's, it's putting together a little mini story reel or a storyboard and, and being able to pitch uh, the characters. And I think what, you know, depending on the tone of it, uh, I, I think every, every story needs to have heart. You know, I think that's really what people connect to. Yes, they connect to the humor and they love to laugh, but if you don't have some sort of sympathy for that character or some sort of emotional connection to it, then, you know, the laughs are hollow and you forget it pretty quickly. The ones that are memorable is when you connect to that character. So I think in any pitch, you need to make sure that that you get that connection with who you're, um, who you're pitching it to. Um, I, you know, I, there's so many different levels to that question that I don't think we have time to get into, really, <laughs> but that would be the, the gut thing that I have is make sure the heart is there when you're pitching.
0: Right. Um, I've got, I've got a question here that I'm going to combine two people. Mark asks, and, but uh, this is the first part of the question. What are, are the less glamorous sides of directing a feature film? Wait, wait, wait for it. And then I got a question here. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I, I lost it. Uh, oh, are there parts of the film you've written that have never got through to the end? Uh, stu- se- sequences, uh, uh, Brenda, who you loved and actually never made it into the picture, of course. So Of course, oh.
1: there's always that. Yeah, and, you know, you do that for time and sometimes it just, it's like, even though you like it, you know it just doesn't fit anymore. And um, I think the less glamorous are, are when... <laughs> When, when you just need to go to the bathroom and your assistant is waiting out there, you know, and if you know, if they're the right sex, they will follow you in and talk to you while you're in the stall. That's one of the less glamorous moments, or many moments of. Um,
0: you mean when you have to be a human. A when you have control. to be
1: human, yeah. It's just like oh, come on, just one little break. You know? It's 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 constant. Um, I also. Uh, think yeah there are those heartbreaking times when you know you have these things I uh, brave for instance w- my first pitch there was a whole other sub story a parallel story going on with the witch and she had a daughter and there was this whole thing you know and it was like this there was this whole other thing but that would have made a great little novel but there's no way that could have so early on that that got uh, you know, we we yeah. trimmed that off and just narrowed so it down. It
0: sequel time. You know, yeah, you know. uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and yeah. Always, you know, I, I remember. Um, you know, I teach animation, and and Disney, you know, had sequences in the picture that actually made it all the way through animation.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and well, and it's like Maurice
1: been, being the, who they sang um, but, Be Our Guest to. Yeah, right. that all right. animated, they had to go back in and put Belle in, yeah.
0: Put Belle in, yeah, so there you go. Laura asks, what are the, and this is a big question, Brandon. what what are, were the specific challenges of being a woman in what was a male dominated business? And do you see these challenges improving uh, as we're coming in, in, in the industry now? Um. Well, honestly when
1: I was at Disney and at DreamWorks I was in this bubble that I had no idea I was in I I did not feel other than my entrance um, interview with uh, the guy who was heading Disney animation at the time an executive um, he Blatantly told me I was only being hired because I was a woman. I was fresh out of Cal Arts and he was getting flack from the guys up, the new guys upstairs, which was Katzenberg, Frank Wells, and Eisner, that they didn't have any women in the story department. So that was really the only reason I was getting in. And oh, you know, six weeks if I don't make the, the if I don't do well, you know, you're out. <laughs> we'll get someone else in. You know, it was ugly. And then I went in and I just thought, oh, my God. I'm not, and I didn't tell anybody that for years. And But I worked extra hard, you know, to try to keep that. Oh, I'm so sorry. My phone's on. Um, but um,
0: I'm just Somebody's watching this and wants to call you. I hope been- my husband will turn that off. Let me. I'll be right back. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Everybody, Brenda's off for a minute. Being a human being, she'll be right back. To answer all of you as many questions as we can get to, but it's a, it's been a it's it's great talking with Brenda. We've known each other for a long time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> beg your pardon. <laughs> Who was it um, Brenda? I think. Um. So, what was the question? It was. Uh, I have to go back to it. Well, it's basically. Um, you know, oh. The, the yeah. now for women, do you think, or still a hurdle, or? Yes.
1: Or, yes. So I was very fortunate you know, in the first uh, nearly 16, 17 years of my career that I just didn't feel in both Disney and DreamWorks, I just had incredible uh, mentors that it was not an issue, you know, so I, I did very well. And then I left and went to other places and then it was like, holy moly, it's crazy out here. Um, it was difficult and it was very hard, but now and I think I missed the Me Too movement. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I missed that window. Uh, but I think now it is getting a little bit better. I think there are more women going up, but there still aren't enough, you know, and there's still, you know, Pixar still has yet to put a woman in the helm of a major, one of their major films. So, you know, it's, it's there's still a long way to go, but I see it happening and I, I feel... I feel hopeful for, for the future, for everyone, so.
0: Me too. <laughs> that's <laughs> but our, um, That's am <laughs> me too. That's our <laughs> me too. Um, Let's see, um, this is an interesting one. What is your process of conveying your ideas uh, to the composer? You've talked a little bit about, uh, about Lion King uh, music with uh, Hans Zimmer, but uh-huh. when you're talking with the composer, a person doing the music what how do you get your ideas across or do they well well, you
1: you you talk about the emotion that you want in that scene you know in the scenes that they're working with and and you talk about the characters I mean you talk to them like they're an actor basically you know you you really just dive into the motivation for the characters you know you talk about it all and you show them what you have you know and what that you know or if there's a juxtaposition I know you're seeing this but I want you to feel that so I want that the clash you 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 it's the emotion I mean that's that's what I always talk to them about
0: it, when we were talking before about uh, you know kind of going through when you were working on Lion King and, and you'd hear these things from Hans Zimmer and they didn't sound very African I, yeah. I got an anecdote to tell you Peter came down. No. Peter came down to the Florida studio with a cassette of the the Elton John. Of the Elton John. Can you hear the love? Can you feel the love tonight? And I went, who's this nightclub singer? Where's that that coming? That's, that's a, I thought it was a gag. And yet they make it. Well,
1: circle of life.
0: Oh my God.
1: You know, I mean, as an Elton John hit great, but it just, had nothing African about it. And we were all like, oh my God. And you know, it was there you go. Jeffrey, that was part of his use, was making sure, you know, getting this guy who knows how to write a great tune with a guy who really knows how to, you know, it. Yeah. work it. You know, <laughs> and and yeah, it was incredible. I remember hearing walking into Hans Zimmer's studio. And hearing this incredible African music thing. Yeah, this is what the movie's supposed to sound like. It's, you know, wish the music. And then I started hearing Circle of Life, the tune in there. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, this is what he's done with that song. Yeah. And it was just incredible. It was, yeah, I yeah. wanted to fall to my knees and kiss his feet. That's what I wanted <laughs> to do. It was, that's when I knew we've got something really special here.
0: Yeah. The, the music kind of tied it in. And it gave did. It a- Gave it to gravitas, I guess.
1: And it inspired a lot of, you know, the, the boards. We went back in and reworked some of the, that sequence to, to match the, the incredible music, so.
0: Daniela asks, hi, Brenda. I am currently in college, applying to storyboarding internships, and my goal is to direct films. Hmm, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hmm. I, I didn't, she didn't say that part. I um, I, I'm wondering, how would I make sure to show that I have the right creative and leadership skills while in the job to get on the right track to directing films? P.S. You're an inspiration.
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, you know. Um... I didn't go into animation wanting to direct. I went into it once I figured out that I love story. I just wanted to do story, but I also discovered that story was a great training ground for directors because the more you keep the whole idea of the film in your head, you know, where animators focus in on their scenes and focus in only on their character most of the time. And, and they do great jobs and that, that's their job to do that. But as a story artist, you're supposed to keep the whole thing um, in your head so that you're not repeating what something else is, someone else is doing and, and so that it, it flows. And that, that's the story supervisor's job is to try to make, remind the story artist because they're getting into their, their box of the scene. Sometimes they forget. So I, I think the idea is to try to keep a global view all the time and, you know, show that you're, you know, aware of what other people are doing and, and how they're doing it. So, and how it affects what you're doing and, um, and, and, and also just to be, I think there's a fine line between being a vocal and, and pushing your idea forward and being unprofessional that, that can be a final, when you argue too much, <laughs> um, that, that can be negative, even male or female, um, I'm saying. But uh, there's a point where, okay, the director is the director and you have to respect that. You can put your thought forward and say, this is, and the, here's why. And hopefully that director will be, um, will be good enough to give you the reason why they reject an idea. Oftentimes, you know, they go, oh, that's great. We could put it in here or whatever, you know, that happens a lot too. But I think is to know where there's the line. You don't cross the line in being too pushy and, and being too... Um, just unprofessional and, and wanting your way and, you know, screw those guys, they don't know what they're doing. You, you hear that a lot. And and a lot of times those people don't get the opportunity as much. Some of them do because they're just the squeaky wheel, but I, I don't know, that's not the right reason to become a director, you know? <laughs> Go in there and and just, you know, be be vocal, let them know what you're thinking and how how you can help them make their film. That's what I'm trying to say. Is, is, is go in there with the purpose of, I want to help you make this the best it can be. And sometimes what you think will help them, they don't necessarily want. So you just have to learn to, I, it's, it's an odd thing, but is that making any sense?
0: Yeah, and, and I'm it's, <laughs> another question, it's, it's up above and I, I probably missed it, but sometimes uh, in my experience, and I'm sure in yours, you've been on a picture that you suddenly see to start going south. You know it's you're working on it and it's not getting better it's getting worse and you have to kind of i guess buckle up and and go for that ride how, how do you deal with that when, when it's a show that's that you that you're working on you've lost interest in or you know it's they're making bad decisions and there's nothing. yeah
1: there. what do you do well that one is a tough one because I feel like I've been incredibly fortunate, <laughs> yes. um, in that I've never had felt that on a project that I've that I've worked on at Disney um, or or DreamWorks. I, I uh, well, I've consulted on projects where that <laughs> yeah um, that has been, been the case. They,
0: they yeah, what
1: I'm trying they to help fix and. It's just not uh, I, I for me, it's just I do my job to the best of my ability and then I have to let it go, you know, and and know that it is what it is. And I, I can't I can't do any more than I can do. And, you know, I've said my bit and I'm trying to be a professional and I'm trying not to cross that line and <laughs> say, oh, my God, this is a piece of, you know, <laughs> you're going you're the wrong way. I don't go there. (laughs) I just, I keep my professional (laughs) um, respect intact and I just back off, you know, and just do what they ask of me and try to do it to the best of my ability, so.
0: Got a couple of good ones here. Uh, uh, Brittany's asking, uh, hello, she says, I would like to ask if there's any advice you tell young artists that you wish you knew when you were starting out that you may have learned along the way, but you didn't know as a callow youth, (laughs) um you know it
1: that's a hard one i get asked that every once in a while and i i i've never felt like i've given a sufficient answer in that um i think that you know i wish someone had told me that uh that that just because you're professional doesn't mean everybody else is going to be professional <laughs> um, or just because you try to be kind to people and profession that they, they're going to reciprocate. But at the same time, I think if people had warned me about certain things, I would have been less inclined to just, here's what I've got, you know, and just be, I was pretty naive when I started in this industry. And I think that was a plus for me in that I just followed my heart, you know, I just followed my enthusiasm and, and I just out there and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just am respectful and I don't, I don't, I'm not pushy, but, but I like to share my enthusiasm. So I think if I know, if I knew then a lot of what I know now, I, I might not have been as out there so i would just say follow that enthusiasm and yes you are going to hit some walls and yes it's going to be painful when you do but looking back i don't regret it you know (laughs) i am glad that i i just went headlong into to what i love you know and and yeah those things were painful but so worth it you know yeah I i i i you know i
0: I think that's the best advice. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get kicked in the keister once in a while, but it all you don't works let it stop you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see what I've got here. Um, this is an interesting one from Bruno. It is known that you infuse uh, infused brave with your personal experience as a parent, but which part of you ended up in the part uh, in, in the Prince of Egypt? And it's and is and then he says, so much esteem and respect from a humble student. Oh. So you, have, you have a mark on Brave. What was your part? Your, your... I think I think it was
1: uh, I think there's a lot on uh, Prince of Egypt that that took um, you know is growing a studio and 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 learning how to become a leader um, and realizing that I I like to lead as they say from behind and. Trying to nurture people to do their job. So many people do things so much better than I do, and trying to give them that um, confidence and that uh, safety, saying, "Yes, you know how to do that better than I do. So go for it. You know, and I will just guide you if you're off track with the story or the the, the motivation, those kind of things. I will let you know, but mm. go for it and. And I think learning how to collaborate with Simon and Steve, you know, getting to know that and, and trying to maintain a cohesive story, you know, because story was my passion. So didn't want to split sequences up and Simon take one and Steve take another and I take and they just sort of come together sort of like, "Eh." so we stayed together. And that was sort of at my insistence. We have to be together on this, and they love that. So we were in every story meeting together. But I think, I think together with Simon and Steve, it was finding that the heart, you know, the heart, the heart of those the brothers that that I think was part of. And I I, I just can't claim it as mine. That's the thing. I have two partners that were very part of that, but that's that's where we, you know,
0: uh, you know, I, I understand it, it, I mean when we talked about it before, you know, that was the key, that it wasn't uh, God coming and doing all the stuff. Yeah, because that's the yeah. story. That's the, yeah. that's the environment. That's
1: the plot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the characters were the were the, the conflict and love between the two brothers.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so so it's hard for me to Say, oh yeah that was me that's mine i uh, because i work so closely with simon and steve i I can't really just say oh yeah mm, no I <laughs> yeah
0: idea. i <laughs> can't do that because <laughs> it um, wouldn't be I, true yeah there's a question for me brenda because that is such a complicated it's a biblical story and there's all this weight that comes with it um was there a, a moment when you three said ah we've got the we figured it out. Here's the direction we're taking. Was there a time you were all yes. having a glass of wine or a beer? <laughs> yes, this is it. Or yeah,
1: we were just having such a hard time finding what the tone of the film was, you know, it just uh, but then Ronnie Del Carmen did this sketch right. of Ramesses sitting in the lap of the statue of Seti, his father, right. and looking depressed and Moses. The young Moses was standing below looking up and it, it was such a poignant emotional sketch it was like that's it here is Ramesses with the burden of this world on him and there is Moses uh being the comfort her, the comforter the 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 one who you know tries to ease things up and when that is torn away from Ramesses you Know and 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 Moses has to go on his own when that brother brother bond is broken, you know, they still love each other, right. so there's a lot of love there. So it was just that sketch just had so many layers to it, you know. And so that's when Simon and Steve and I were like, there it is,
0: that is that is it,
1: you know. Yeah. And
0: that became a beautiful sequence in the film, too, and a lovely yeah, one as well, really great. Yeah, um, yeah. let's see, Amy says, uh Um, What trends have you noticed in story styles that have changed since the 90s and what has changed in the story team process?
1: Um, hmm. uh, Yeah, I I think, well, the story process and my, since I've been a story artist and now I, again, I have, mentioned before, I think story artists are expected to be cinematographers at the same time, um, which I think is a huge burden on them because then sometimes they miss opportunities to really explore the characters more. Um, And also, I think it's more script-driven where it used to be that it was more collaborative with the writer and the story artists. I mean, in the Disney days, they didn't even have writers, the story artists were the writers. And so when I started, it was kind of a hybrid, but the, the scripts were, okay, that's nice jumping off point, you could throw it out and rewrite the scenes while you were boarding. And um, that happened a lot. Now, it seems like, I don't, I don't know, I haven't worked at Disney for a while now. So I don't know if that's still allowed or if they have to stay closer to the script. I know at DreamWorks they were being sort of pounded to stay closer to the script and you know script writers are great but they they don't they can't do it visually and so sometimes when you put something up visually verbatim to the script it just doesn't work and so it's hard for story artists when they're like you're not sticking with the script and then you stick with the script and it's not working you did a bad job you know it's like no that Utah, I, you know, I did I would have done it differently but you know that's that's the horror stories I've been hearing um, from story artists but it's then different, different for TV than it is for features as well. Yeah well TV I've never other than Hulk Hogan's a long time ago I haven't worked in TV in a long time but in features a story artist is usually someone who has a good story sense and you want them to bring what they know to the table so if I direct um, a picture I I let my story artists you know, use the script as a jumping-off point. You know, and I, and I, you know, I'll say, well, maybe we should stick with this dialogue, or maybe we should, you know, I, it's a push and pull, and also depends on the writer. You know, some writers don't like to do that collaboration; they just want to go off and write the thing and expect it to be done, and then other writers like Irene Mecky, who loves that collaborative process and we'll get in there and you know look at what they've done oh that's you know and she'll go off and do more and then it's sort of this lovely dance that you do so I think it depends on the project and the and I don't know if I've answered that question or if I've just rambled on so I'm sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going to go to another question now um this one's an interesting one Uh, this is from Kieran asks uh I'm an animation student, graduating. I would. Wa- I was wondering if you believe a film like *The Prince of Egypt* could be made again. I'd like to come up with ideas for animated projects, and one of them is biblical. Any any uh, advice for from this? I
1: you know I don't see why not, but it's just finding the right uh, financiers. You know, the the people who would be behind doing that. And the the scary part of that is you know, make sure it's a financier who's going to be open to points of view, you know, because if they want you to do it a certain way, that's the, that's the scary part about the biblical stories. It's like, there's some, there are a lot of opinions about those biblical stories. And if you get someone who has one idea, then you're going to be fighting against that. If if you have another way you wanna do it. So, so that's the, that's, that was the great thing about yeah. DreamWorks. They brought in so many uh, different people to get many different points of view and allowed us to make a story that we did our best to be inclusive, but not specific. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, to I, that I, I, religious here comes a okay. rabbi and here comes a priest and here comes a, a pastor and here comes a e- even from other uh, you know yeah muslim e- i mean uh, you muslim.
1: know story of moses
0: yeah 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 so there you yeah um let's see uh, here we got um we have an, a, a fellow who's not a student he's in his uh, he's starting late he's in his mid-30s um how do you how do you um Young. So, yeah, <laughs> it's very, yeah. Um, and there is an issue with age, isn't there, Brenda? That, you know, yeah. Is, is there an issue now with age? And if you're over a certain age, you get a little. Uh,
1: yeah, I, th- I think, you know, everybody wants the fresh, new look at things and also the less expensive player in the, you know, the studios. I think it's a combo. <laughs> but at the same time, they want. Uh, you know, they want to have someone who knows what they're doing. It's it's all over the place. But yeah, there is some ageism that goes on, definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think it's also more in the live action aspect. I
0: remember having sitting down with Robert Wise, who is one of the big time editors and then directors saying, and he was in his 80s then saying, you know, he can't get work. Uh, but I think they, they he, you know, they were afraid he'd, he'd, he'd you know collapse on a set or something yeah like that. yeah that kind of thing um uh i have one that's a very nice uh, note here uh i admire your work and your story she's it, from did. scotland um remember reading somewhere that you once had an idea for a swan lake retelling uh is that a project you would ever revisit i didn't hear it. did you have a swan
1: oh lake? no it wasn't mine it was uh It was actually Mike Gabriel who was trying to develop Swan Lake. When I was working on um, Fantasia 2000, at the same time, he was trying to develop Swan Lake. And I worked with him on that. And actually, when I went in to Tom Schumacher's office and said, you know, I'd really like to try to be ahead of the story, (laughs) um, I was aiming for Swan Lake because that was like, oh, that's right up my alley. And then another studio made Swan Princess. And so Disney... Um, pushed that away. And Mike went on to Pocahontas. But then King of the Jungle was up and I was like, oh no. And then when Roger Allers got brought on as director, I thought, oh my God, he's going to ask me to be head of story. Please don't ask. And then he did. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't say no, because it was an opportunity. And boy, well, I'm glad I said yes, because <laughs> it, it was an incredible experience. But no, I have no plans to um, reup long light um,
0: the, uh, the, the, you'll know when we're getting to the end of this particular uh, uh, talk Brenda because I'll ask what's coming next but I'm not ready to ask that yet we have a few okay there, more. there was a
1: question one one back that I'm not sure we got I think we got sidetracked was there okay. the, the one right okay. before that one
0: okay hold on hold on one second uh, that's this time it's my phone which is actually off but it the ringer still goes okay um let's see if i have it here um i do i got to find it again i'm sorry i just
1: didn't question. know if we answered it i
0: well you kind of did but it was it, um yeah as a, this was more of an appreciation question it, oh, okay but, all right that was okay um as a Scottish, woman, thank you was now, <laughs> was now going in the story within the animation industries so as a person from scotland I love Braven and see how my heritage being respected and celebrated uh, was incredible. And she also loves the Prince of Egypt too, so she thinks. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, ahead here. If you had your druthers, would you prefer to work on a 2D picture or a 3D oh. picture? Uh, I. Okay, somebody else's question, but that's the question. It's
1: it's really a hard one because I love traditional animation. Don't I, I love it? That's where I grew up, and my heart kind of belongs there. But I also appreciate uh, when I was doing Brave, all the things we could do beyond, you know, with the camera and with the characters, and doing that hair and doing so. I just love a good story in animation. So for me, it's whatever is going to support that story the best now. Um, But I I do love traditional animation.
0: So I, yeah, I'm, I can't a definitive, but I. (laughs) I just miss working on paper.
1: Yeah, I do too. I I miss drawing and all Uh, of
0: that. Bruno asks, so do you think there's another Fantasia, is is another Fantasia possible today, today? I mean, there were two, yeah. you know, and, and then it was, do you think another one is possible? Oh, well, sure. I mean, it's, it's pop, because
1: what's so great about them is it's, they're evolving. And I know Disney wanted it to be an evolving, continuing thing. And so I don't see why not. Yeah. It's beautiful. So as long as there's music and there's always someone who can imagine something to go with that,
0: of course. Uh, Karina asks, this is an interesting one. I hear a lot myself. What is your opinion of the Disney live, a- live action uh, redo of the classic animated films? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> overall, I look at them as some of them not so great and some of them are really nice tracings of beautiful drawings. So I still think the originals are far superior, but some of them are better tracers than others.
0: <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> Does that make
1: sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah sense.
0: Did you did see a difference in philosophies between working at Disney and working at DreamWorks? Was there a different studio philosophy, do you feel? Um, I
1: think we were searching in the beginning. We wanted to, to, to create films that were more adult, you know, in, in, in attracting adults, but in the end, I think it's more just about, uh, creating good stories at both studios. Um, at least back in the day, I I haven't been at either one for so long. I don't really know what their philosophies are anymore. So, I mean, uh, you know, the Disney films are beautiful. The, the DreamWorks films, I think they have more variety in their films. The, the DreamWorks. I think Disney is starting to get there. And but um, but yet I think they all strive for,
0: you know, you're gonna love this one. Audience. You're gonna love this one. Arna Selznick has written, she was the director of the Care Bears movie. And she says, Hey Brenda and Frank, enjoying the talk. Thanks for the shout-out, you guys. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty great. That's yeah, pretty great thank you
1: for joining the talk i'm honored
0: <laughs> we're, we're coming to the end uh, now there's a lot more questions but you know it's we're we're, we're well past an hour um uh I'll, I'll ask a couple more and then i'll ask the big final question as well um let's see um let's see how does it feel to have created the only disney princess from the other studio. I guess I mean brave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's um have you ever thought about it I, that way? I mean, all the other princesses are from Disney films.
1: Yeah, well, the the idea was to turn at the time all the Disney princesses were about finding their their true love kind of a thing. And I wanted to turn all that on its head. So she was never meant to be a Disney princess, but I'm I'm kind of proud of it, you know, at the same time. It's bittersweet for me, but it's, it's, um, but yeah, I, I like it
0: <laughs> for the most part. Terrence Mason, who you may know as well. My son, JJ, who's nine years old, uh, just yesterday asked me, can we watch Brave again? Said, Thank you. <laughs> Um, I love it when boys like to watch it
1: too, you know, it's like, it makes that, me happy.
0: Yeah. Um, we're probably uh, going to uh, um, finish now, but uh, the big question that I always ask at the end, kind of everybody knows, okay, this is what's next, Brenda. What are you on now and what happens soon or what are you looking forward to? Um,
1: I'm currently writing um, a feature project for a European company. I don't know that I can talk about it. So, um, but it's animation and I'm just writing it, which is great because I've taken a sabbatical for the last, for the time of COVID um, after my live action film, um, it sort of kicked me in the butt. So I needed a break, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah. um, So I'm working on that. And then there's another, a uh, bigger project that I'm looking at. It's, I would direct and it's animation. And um, oh, good. It, it, it's not set up at a studio yet, but it has some pretty powerful people behind it. So I'm hoping that that will go, but that wouldn't start until sometime next year, so.
0: Well, if it does, yeah. not expect a phone call from you just to let me know. <laughs> and I'm also, but just to say, I'm
1: also writing, um, trying to write a novel. Um, um, that uh, is uh, based on my relationship with my sister, but it's it's uh, based on it's also based on a fairy tale. So, oh. um, so after after Brave, I decided I'm not going to give any studios my ideas anymore and not have ownership of some kind on them. Well, so you know, but there's oh. a
0: famous Disney story too when uh, from the days when he was a young and callow guy. And uh, Universal took Oswald from him or or so so to speak, it was uh-huh. And he, and he said, never again. Yeah, yeah. I'll, so it'll be my characters or it'll be if, my way to the highway. <laughs> yeah, it, I
1: can be a gun for hire on somebody else's idea, or <laughs> well gun or, for I don't like that term. It's a, I, I would work for hire on somebody else's idea, but my own, I'm going to create in a way that I have ownership so
0: well I'm sorry I didn't get to everybody's questions but we tried and uh and but I I am really happy as always to talk with you Brenda it's been a real pleasure it's been a, thank you I want to thank the VIEW conference and Asifa Hollywood for uh, making this happen and Brenda I want to thank you most especially thank you it's been a
1: pleasure <laughs> always nice to see you Frank
0: it's nice to see you Brenda I think we're done Say
1: bye. Bye Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Alright, thanks so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It would be amazing if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow the VIEW conference on all social media. We have some amazing sessions coming up, and we hope to see you all there.